Hi, everyone. I'm Devin McDonald, a partner at OpenView, where I spend a lot of time talking to both aspiring and serial board members. This season on Build, we're talking about the journey to the boardroom. Each week, I'll speak with executives who will share their unique stories and insights to help you either consider what type of persona to bring onto your board if you're a CEO, and or help you think through what your path will be to get to the boardroom as an independent director. Now, on with the show. Today, we're joined by Marty Rayom, an industry-leading chief people officer who has led all things HR, talent, people at businesses like NetSuite, where she spent nearly a decade, Fitbit, and now Twilio. She sits on the board of Ombra Health and SPS Commerce. Marty, thank you so much for joining us here today on the Build Podcast. We're, we're honored to have you. Oh, you're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. So I want to talk about the earlier days in your career, and I typically kick off uh, the podcast by asking the question, what did you want to be when you grew up? I thought I wanted to be a CPA early in, in my educational career. I, that's what, where I was heading. Until I finished the first year of a Bachelor of Commerce and talked to my CPA father and said, well, when do we learn about people and human behavior? And that summer, we had a long discussion about me being perhaps in the wrong major. So I switched majors, went into labor management, and learned about integrating people into the business context. So after I graduated from university, I knew I wanted to be in, in human resources. So you clearly love numbers, and you clearly love maybe metrics. You could see how maybe you have morphed a metrics-driven approach perhaps into your sort of people uh, area of expertise. Yes, absolutely. And, and currently, to the extent that we're building a people analytics team on, on the people team and really learning insights from that team right now. Outstanding. It's a smart thing to do. I wish more chief people officers would, would do that and think that way. So very interesting to hear that you thought you were going to be an accountant and then quickly pivoted after conversations with, with your father and folks in the network. I would love to hear, you've had a crazy successful career, right? So you've been the chief people officer at successful tech companies like NetSuite for a number of years and Fitbit. And now we know you're at Twilio. I want to hear about how these different experiences have shaped you into the leader that you are today. And I love hearing about sort of like, what's your mantra as a chief people officer? All of these roles and the impressive people I've been privileged to work with and and learn from have shaped me into the leader I am today. And NetSuite was a bit of a gamble at the time. It was really unknown uh, it was the early days of SaaS. Selling software over the phone was just not a, a welcome venture at the time, and especially in Canada. So I was in the Toronto office at the time. But I personally was very interested in forging my way into new industry outside of financial services, where I spent the first 15 years of my career. And I just thought, if I don't make a change, I'm never going to be able to make a change. So that was my draw to finding another industry, and software was interesting to me. But NetSuite was an incredible experience with incredible talent. We were learning together. We were teaching each other. We were definitely leaning on each other. And one of the most unified, connected, and integrated executive teams I've had the privilege of of working with. And do you think that's ultimately what drove a lot of the success, the fact that that executive team was so, so, so integrated and so connected? Oh, absolutely. We stayed together. So it was the same executive team for the 10 years that I was there. Very unusual. And and started in early days. We all started clearly pre-IPO. Lots of us were learning, didn't really honestly know what we were doing. But just the, the trust 
and the connection between the team. And that just, that just got deeper as we, as we went through the journey. Had you worked together as executives in a, in a previous company that had been successful or was this a group that had been pulled together through just kind of random connections? I'm going through the, the eight or 10 of us, the eight of us at the beginning. And I don't think anyone worked together previously. Wow. Yeah. Outstanding. Well, you as the chief people officer, you clearly were assessing the right folks to bring into the business and, and doing, a, doing your job there. Yes. And some of it was gradual and measured, especially in the early days. And we were, you know, a, a very tight and balance sheet driven company as, as most organizations are at that time. But eventually we developed the product. We started to look for different markets and then it just became a hockey stick. We just we didn't have enough people to sell the product, to build the product. So then it was all about augmenting the team in many countries. And so you were there for, was it about nine years? Just over nine years, yes. Incredible. And can you describe just when you started in the early days to the time when you left, just in terms of how much the business had scaled, headcount-wise or other team dynamics-wise? Sure. So I started in the NetSuite office in Toronto, and I think I was batch number 41, maybe. There were probably 300 or so people across the our different offices, which were, at the time, there were probably three. So one in San Mateo, which was the head office. Um, we had a small office in the UK, in Maidenhead, and then Toronto. So between those three, there, there was about 300 people. By the time I was leaving, we were probably cresting 3,500 or pushing 4,000. Unbelievable. And how many, I mean, how many hires a year? You must have had some really incredible goals there. Some years were very measured, as I said. They, they were fine. You know, we were hiring a, a few hundred people a year. As we passed that sort of uh, expansion inflection point, I did have years where our headcount was probably three or 400 a quarter. I can't even imagine. <laughs> so let's go back to that question. What's your, your mantra as a, a chief people officer? What drives you as a leader of, of this function? I, I guess my mantra would be that the, the people team or the HR team or however you, the nomenclature that's used, we're here to help solve organizational challenges and really help drive business outcomes. There's sort of two ways to look at a, a CPO role. And there's an internal, inward-facing part of the role where you really need to develop a, a top-notch people team and all of the different disciplines underneath there. But then the external role is solving organizational challenges and helping to drive the business outcomes with your partners on the executive team, with the leadership team. And what is it that we actually have to work our way through and how do we help you do that? I, that's a really great approach, I, I think, to it. What, at what point do you think it really makes sense to bring in a, a chief people officer with your pedigree and who's sort of built out teams like this before? Is there, is there sort of a stage in mind where it really becomes a necessity? That's such a great question. I've, I've been doing a lot of reading on that. And there was a post on LinkedIn that really caught my eye. And it was somebody from a venture capital firm saying the biggest mistake startups make is that they don't hire significant HR talent early. And for early can be defined as, as many different things. But the one reason I was drawn to Fitbit, for instance, was they knew they were pre-IPO. They knew what the expansion was going to be. They had it all sort of laid out. There was virtually no people department or HR department. And typically what happens is in a startup, you hire recruiters 
you know, that's, that's your HR department. And I was just so impressed that they, they went and found somebody who had scaled an organization before. That was, that was their profile for the hire. And I ultimately ended up accepting the job. But I know the type of talent that they were looking for. And I was just so impressed that they were doing it that early. And that's when I sort of scaled along with it. We all scaled along with it. But I am, I am very impressed when organizations in very early stages convince somebody who's done this before to come and help them do it again at a very early stage. And I think it pays off significantly. I, I agree. I think it seems pretty dependent upon the, the founders, um, the founder, if you will, and the importance they place on, on people and hiring and, and culture and really kind of making, putting your people first. And leadership. Uh, leadership is another piece I would just add to that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And how about, how about Twilio? Were you drawn to that business? What, what drew you to that business initially when you, when you made the move from Fitbit? I actually wasn't, I have to confess, I wasn't really well-versed with Twilio. One of the executives I was on, the um, executive team with at uh, NetSuite was on the board at Twilio. And he called me and said, they, Twilio needs a CPO. You'd be perfect for this. Just go and have a conversation with them. So Jim sort of set me up with the CEO and the COO. I knew he was on the board. And when, while we were working together in NetSuite, he'd say, hey, I got to go. I've got to run to a, a board meeting at Twilio. But it, honestly, it really wasn't on my radar. When I went to meet with the CEO and the COO, first it was out of deference to Jim. I was doing this for him. And then when I got into the conversations, it was no longer about Jim. It was a really unique organization. The CEO is so well-rounded, very technical. He's an engineer. But the, the culture, the environment, building an inclusive environment, and the way in which we operate and run a business is at the forefront for him. And that, that came across in every conversation we had. Uh, I talked to the COO, who's also had an impressive career at Salesforce, and asked him why he was there. He, you know, he could be anywhere. And I said, why are you at Twilio? So we went through sort of the mechanics of the revenue, the teams that he had in place, and his vision. And it was very quickly apparent that there was a long runway here, and um, they were doing some pretty magical things. Yeah, I mean, we have a lot of respect for for Twilio and the outstanding business that's that's being built there. And just uh, curious to to know, obviously, Twilio has re- reached a, a great level of scale at this point. But what are some of the the key sort of initiatives or things that are top of mind for you as the chief people officer today? Two, I would boil it down to two. So one is building the organization, assessing well, first sourcing the talent and assessing the talent, and then integrating the talent into the current organization in a really thoughtful and thorough way so that everybody can Mm -hmm. be successful and executing quickly. So we need to scale the organization significantly in the next year or so, probably somewhere around 1,200 people. And that's I'm less worried about finding the talent, and that probably sounds crazy in in the war for talent. We're all... We're all feeling it. I'm always more worried about integrating all of that talent effectively. So the, the onboarding and the ongoing development of who you do hire, is that what you're referring to? Yeah. So clearly the, the you know initial stage onboarding, but then when they sort of leave our world of people onboarding, the functional onboarding and ramp 
and integration into all of the the existing teams. That's that's a skill set that um, I've, I've really tried to work hard at. Let's talk about the boards of the companies that you've uh, you've served as the chief op- people officer of. No doubt that you were very involved with those boards. I would love to understand how those boards played a role in the company's success and the exposure that you had with the boards over the course of your time with NetSuite or over the course of your time with Fitbit and now Twilio. Again, I was I would say I was pretty fortunate with the the boards that that I was able to work with. A really strong, talented, diversified, and incredibly experienced board at NetSuite, and in this role, became very involved on a, a regular basis, particularly with the compensation committee. Prior to my role at NetSuite, I probably presented to a board at previous companies, was a guest sort of from time to time. But NetSuite was the first board that I was truly uh, sort of a full-time component of my role. I've seen the, uh, the board play a success or play a role in the success of a few companies now, and the key element for me is is a true partnership, uh, respect for each other's roles and purviews, and and kind of a coaching element that is supportive and devoid of agenda, other than the success of the company. I would love to know if you've had a very specific board mentor. You're obviously a board member now. You're the board member of SBS Commerce and Ombra Health. Would love to understand, as you have grown into becoming a board member yourself, have you had specific mentors who have kind of taken you under their wing to to help you get to the seat and also to sort of help you become an effective board member? I I would consider someone that I worked with uh, my mentor. I, I don't think we established that re- relationship and didn't use that word. Um, but Debbie Ver- Farrington was on our board at NetSuite and served as the chair of the compensation committee. And we spent many, many hours together over the decade that I was there, and particularly in the earlier years, when we were all just trying to forge our way to a cohesive relationship between board and management. Debbie is strong, intelligent. She's completely rational and very detailed. And she was just like a really solid, unencumbered voice in the boardroom while simultaneously bringing a very human element to our discussions and decisions. She was an early supporter of NetSuite and she really dove in, understood the business. She always came completely prepared she had a very keen eye, and she didn't shy away from anything important or controversial. Mm. And uh, as a board member today, do you kind of do you think of her from time to time, and and try to sort of as as what you just described were her strengths, um, exhibit that as a board as a board member yourself? I do. I really do try to, and whether it's consciously or sometimes subconsciously, really think about Debbie and the way that she comported herself in, in the meetings, and just how prepared she was. She didn't really dispense regular advice. Uh, I would say it was more guidance about what and how to cover topics and material, what would be helpful, what could be delicate, and how we, we would approach these topics together. And she also solicited my advice on how to engage with members of the management team because she really recognized that we were a very close executive team and she could tap into me and gain insight and perspective from me before she went on to have perhaps a conversation with the CEO or, or members of the executive team. 
So I absolutely love the the concept of a chief people officer sitting on a board. I mean, we talk about it a lot, and I genuinely believe it. I know the partners do at OpenView. There's nothing more important than people when it comes to building a great company. And so to have a chief people officer perspective in the boardroom is just so, so important. I would love to hear about when you started getting serious about joining a board and how you went about finding the right company for yourself, the right sort of CEO that you wanted to partner with and what that process looked like. After I left NetSuite, I considered joining the board mainly because of the incredibly positive experience I had learning from and interacting with the, with the NetSuite board. I thought I could help return the guidance that Debbie showed me to the sort of next generation leading, and especially in the compensation committee. So I started to look into different resources. I joined the board list, if, if you are aware of that or, or yeah. yeah, I tapped into my network, and they are some really well-connected and, and successful people that came out of and sort of cycle through NetSuite and, and Fitbit. So the network is, is pretty vast, and um, I'm quite a, appreciative of that. I wanted to be able to add value to really align with the CEO, the management team, the other board members is really important to me, and really be excited about the company and, and the vision as well. And I, I was thrilled to be asked to join the Ombra Health Board. I had worked with the CEO there, uh, Morris Panner. We actually purchased his former organization, Open Air, when I was at uh, NetSuite. So I- oh, yeah. And that's where Liz Kane exactly. had come from on our team, Exactly, right? yes. So I spent a lot of time with Morris with, through that integration and that acquisition. And then we together purchased another organization called Quick Air. So we spent a lot of time doing that together as well. So I knew his leadership style. I really gravitated towards it. I completely respected him. And I did a little bit of consulting work for him while when I finished NetSuite. And he was building his board and he said, I'd really love you to be on my board. And at the time, I, I really thought he needed somebody, he needed a big sales presence to open some doors for him, particularly on the East Coast. So my counsel to him was, Morris, I think I should help you find a sales executive for to support all of these initiatives. So we went off and did that together. I found a wonderful sales executive, uh, James Ramsey, and aligned the two of them. They had worked together as well through NetSuite, but not as closely. They were a little more re- removed in relationship. But I really did think James would be perfect for as a sales point of view for his board. So he joined, and then uh, Morris came back to me and said, okay, now your turn. I said, but I think that was... That's how I could help him at the time, and I, I wanted him to concentrate on that for for Ombra. And it was such a great add to their board, and James actually became sort of a coach as well. So it's a certain percentage of the, his time that he coaches their, their really talented head of sales, and that has worked out beautifully. So I love that. You originally, you had a connection, you were helping, you were doing some consulting work, building that relationship, and, do- and that opened up doors to joining the board. Right. Which is the same for SPS as well. I knew somebody on the board who reached out to me and said, we'd love your voice. We'd love a people perspective. We don't have one. Come and meet Archie Black, the CEO and the other board members. And they're in the sort of the the SaaS world as well. They were actually um, a client of NetSuite, although I didn't know that then. And it wasn't through that connection. It was much more through the, the colleague on the board. 
On a final note, I would love to ask the question of what advice do you have for a CEO who is building out his or her board for the first time? My advice would be to have a clear set of expectations for board members, really articulate what value they would bring to the board. Um, How would he or she, the CEO, rely on them? What is their vision of the relationship? And how is this all going to work? What would he or she not want them to do? Where do they, they don't need them to weigh in. Let's, let's get clear about that. How they envision the board and the executive team interacting. And just generally, how do they best support each other? I would definitely advise that they build a diverse board. And I don't mean just gender, gender, ethnicity, educational backgrounds, and perhaps now even generational diversity. I would consider that depending on the product and the company, but I think there's so much to be learned from some of our our newer generations coming up the pipe. And I'd also discuss having a human capital expert on the board. I I know that sounds completely (laughs) self-serving, but I think it's it's something to consider. Um, Fundamentally, companies have two elements, people and capital. And having expertise in both areas, I think, proves invaluable. I couldn't agree more. And um, this has been so fun talking to you today. What an outstanding career you've had. I'm sure you're making a huge impact as, as a board member now on the boards that you're sitting on. So I really appreciate you taking the time. And thanks again. You're welcome. Such a pleasure. And thank you for asking me. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you're listening to podcasts these days. And please give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Outside of podcasts, we produce content daily on OpenView Labs. You can also follow us on Twitter at OpenViewVenture and subscribe to our newsletter that's sent out to over 100,000 SaaS operators every Saturday morning by going to openviewpartners.com forward slash newsletter. Until next time.